0742, you are with SFM 104 to 107. A couple of messages coming through that I thought were worth uh, commenting on. Bongu tweeted us to say they're neither the drunken, the Drunkensburg or the Drakensburg, but in fact the Ukutlamba Mountain. And of course, that is the fact. Uh, they are also known as the Ukutlamba Mountain, which is the original name of the landmark. And uh, it would be great, uh, Bongu says, if we could use those original names. It would be great if we could just use all the names correctly as well. I think you're quite correct on that one. A couple of messages from uh, you with regards to that fantastic interview with Sibu Sisu Mahale, inspiring for sure. Someone says the farmer should be a motivational speaker. It's a lift uh, from a very special human being. Someone else, Osindi, saying wonderful wake-up message to all of us. Thank you so much. And I must admit, um, he really has given us so much inspiration. I think um, there's also... A voice message as well, but I'm not sure if that's a question for our... Okay, we'll go to that a little bit later that uh, you may want to follow through. As I mentioned earlier on in the day, um, we, we, we like to every now and again try and update ourselves on COVID, try and answer your questions, because there's so much information that's being thrown at us. And how do we understand it? How do we really get a sense of what it's all about. On the line, we've got Dr. Saul Johnson, epidemiologist, also advisor to the Solidarity Fund and taking all our COVID-19 questions. Dr. Johnson, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Hi, Michelle, and and, uh, very good morning to all your listeners. So let's just uh, get some clarity. Obviously, yesterday we saw um, a massive march saying that the people wanted Sinovac and they wanted the Russian uh, vaccine as well. Just explain for us uh, clearly what the process is that SAPRA has to go through. Yeah, so, um, you know, what's important, I think, for your listeners to know is, is that the manufacturers have to apply to SAPRA uh, for registration of their products, um, and then once they, once Sapra has their registration, they conduct a review, a full review of that product, yeah. to make sure that the product has been. Um, and this goes for any any product, any medical product that you use. Yeah. Um, and that that you know they have to check that that product is effective, and they have to check that that product is safe, and they have to look at all the studies that have been done and and you know assure themselves that if they, you know, release a product into the South African market, that, that that product is completely safe to use. So, you know, SAPRA are doing this as fast as they can for, for COVID vaccines. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's important that everybody recognize this is an independent process that is really essential, uh, you know, for uh, to, to ensure that these products are safe to use. So it's uh, very different to someone saying, oh, well, I'll just take JIC because that will stop me from... <clears throat> Doing from getting COVID is essentially what you're saying. Uh, absolutely, and and you know the obviously we're in a, a rapidly expanding pandemic. Uh, it's it's ever changing. Um, you've got the issue as we've seen uh, to our detriment of of new variants that come up. So partly, even if a vaccine's been studied, you know, in in certain parts of the world, SAPRA has to say, do we think there's a, a good chance that that'll work in our part of the world against the variants that are circulating in South Africa? Uh, and usually the manufacturers are able to produce some evidence, um, you know, for or against that, uh, and SAPRA has to make a decision. So, um, Dr. Johnson, it's interesting that you talk about the different variants because we do have a question um, which talks to the Delta variant saying, I understand that this variant is, in fact, shape-shifting. Yeah, you know, it's... um 
at the moment, we don't have a lot of evidence to show that the Delta variant uh, is, is, is predominant in the current wave that we're experiencing. Having said that, uh, you know, I have to say I would be very surprised if the Delta variant is, is, is not partly responsible for what we're seeing. And I say that because we know in other parts of the world it is a variant, and this is the one that, that was first described in India and became the predominant uh, variant in, in India. We know that <clears throat> that, that is, it's, a, it's a much more transmissible. In other words, it moves faster from person to person and spreads faster within the community. Uh, and I think we, what we have seen um, you know, in South Africa is, is just this really exploding third wave. And we know that we never restricted uh, travel from India when they were having their terrible spike as well. So I would be very surprised if, if, if the Delta variant wasn't partly responsible. So there's a question around um, the first jab, saying uh, how once you've had the first jab, how uh, much, how well does that work? Yeah, so you know you get reasonable protection after the first Pfizer vaccine. Uh, it's in the region of any, anything between sixty and ninety percent. You know, we, the studies often are quite small, so we don't know exactly. Um, and, and they vary, but, but you, you have a reasonable amount of protection. Um, but, um, I would still be cautious. If you've had the first Pfizer vaccine, I, uh, and given that we're in a third wave, yeah. I would still advise people to be cautious about exposing themselves too much. In other words, avo- avoid, um, you know, places indoors with lots of people. Um, where there's poor ventilation, like we would say for everybody, continue to wear your mask if you, you know, if you if you're with other people. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is the time to just be cautious at the moment. So Claire wants to know. Um, she says, my doctor told me that even if you've had the vaccination, you can still get COVID. Right, uh, and what we've seen, I think, uh, unfortunately. Um, but unsurprisingly, is we've seen lots of breakthrough infections in this third wave that we're experiencing. Mm. Um, but the good news is those those are almost always mild mild uh, cases. In other words, what the, what <coughs> excuse me, and what we've always known is that these vaccines protect you particularly against severe disease uh, and uh, and uh, protect you against dying. So literally, these vaccines save your life. So if you have the vaccine, um, you may still get infected, and we know that from the from the, the clinical trials, in fact. But what you they, they do protect you against severe disease and dying. So yes, we have seen people who've had the vaccine, uh, and the, and those uh, we uh, still get infected with COVID. But the vast majority of those um, are have been mild mild cases. Dr. Saul Johnson, we're talking to him and asking him questions around COVID, answering your questions around COVID. Jane wants to know, does Pfizer deal with the Delta variant? Um, Sure, that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to just uh, rack my brains and think if there have been studies, particular studies that Pfizer has done against the Delta variant. Uh, I'm not sure uh, is the answer. I think what we do know um, is that most of these vaccines were designed around the original version of the coronavirus that was circulating when the epidemic started. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what we've seen certainly with the, you know, with the, the 
Okay, so uh, Dr. Johnson, you're going to have to. Uh, you, you, you're not sounding very clear. Um, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay. Um, what I was saying is that when they did studies on the newer variants, yeah, they they showed that most of those vaccines were not as effective, but they were still effective. Yeah. If that makes sense. So um, they didn't immu- elicit as as strong an immune response. But there was still an immune response, and that immune response was still strong enough to protect people against, again, severe disease. So, so I suspect that's the, 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 the case with the Delta variant, that uh, it would still give you some protection. It may not be ideal protection, and we may all end up having to need boosters done against some of the new variants, like we do with influenza, where we have to have uh, injections based on the or vaccines based on whatever the circulating strain is, you know, in in any given year. But essentially what you're saying is that whilst it may not um, go up to 100% efficacy, it will go up to maybe 60 or 70 or 80, and uh, that's a lot better than nothing. Absolutely, absolutely. And and that was the controversy around the AstraZeneca vaccine. You know, it may have not been as effective against our variant, but it may have given people some protection. But... You know, that was a debate that's sort of come and gone now. Okay. So, um, Dr. Johnson, if you look at where we're currently at that, those numbers are, I mean, it it's look, almost looks like a perpendicular graph yes. of infection uh, um, that we're looking at. At what point do we hope to see that peak and then tip over back down again? Could it be weeks? Could it be months? You know, Michelle, um the model suggests it'll be another two to three weeks, but personally, I'm worried. Yeah. Um, and 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 I would say, you know, we we shouldn't because we we just don't know enough about this virus and the, how it moves through populations. Yeah, I would be cautious. It could it could not be two to three weeks. It could be months. Uh, and I would say it's up to us really to determine how long that that this is going to last. Um, and so people have to take it seriously. You know, we have to just change what we're doing, which means really, really cut down on social contact, cut down with any uh, unavoidable contact with other people. Uh, and if you have to do it, you know, do it, um, you know, using masks and social distancing. Uh, and that's really the only way we know for sure that we bring this epidemic under control. Unfortunately, we're too far behind in, in our vaccine program to think that vaccinations are going to stop this uh, this wave. Um, hopefully, they'll stop the next wave, but we're not there yet for this wave. So we, we're going to have to do it through our own behavior. Uh, Markley from Timbisa wants to know, did J&J apply to government or did government go to them and were they still running trials? No, so so uh, both Pfizer and J and J went through the normal application program in the sense that we um, that they they applied to Sapra. Um, obviously, government has obviously been in negotiations and discussions with the with the manufacturers uh, from from last year already yeah. um, in order to secure supply in a, in a context where you know there, there's globally there's a shortage. So, so government was obviously in discussion with, with lots of the manufacturers about how to secure supply, but those manufacturers still had to go through the, the proper application process with SAPRA. Those things are different. Government has to buy the vaccine. SAPRA has to approve it for use. 
So I think your listeners must just differentiate between between those two things. Sorry, what was the other part of his question? Um, were they still running trials when they made the application or had those trials been done? Well, you know, because we're in a pandemic, what lots of, well, not some of the manufacturers, what they did is they applied and J&J did this for what we call a rolling review. And SAPRA will accept that. In other words, you start you start because there's a lot of paperwork which starts from how the drugs are how the vaccines are manufactured, you know how the the animal studies went, how the early human studies went. So you you apply for what they call a rolling review, which means as they generate the results of the trials, SAPRA will look at those results. Yeah. But we really we finished. It's not because uh, I've heard people saying, oh, we haven't finished the studies. You know, Pfizer, J&J, uh, Moderna, uh, Novavax, there are quite a few now that have really completed large, large clinical trials. Yeah. So it's not like we, we're still uh, running. I mean, they're doing more trials now to look at things like mixing the vaccines or J&J is doing trials in the country to see should they be using two, two J&J vaccines instead of one. So the new trials that are being done are looking at slightly different questions to the original trials that were done. Okay, so just for, for Martley's, uh, just Martley, just to understand, let's just get this clear, is that um, the the government does not do the trials. It is SAPRA, it is various different organizations who do the trials. And then when SAPRA agrees that this is a safe uh, vaccine, the government will then go out and procure them and buy them. Michelle, can I just explain what some of the problems were? Yeah, go for it. So, so you know what... What a lot of governments did, because they were so worried, yeah. is that even before the trial started, they bought stock. So they went to uh, Moderna and Pfizer and J&J, and they said, look, you haven't even done the trials, but we will reserve 300 million doses from you. We'll yeah. buy 300 doses, million doses because we, we're so desperate to get our hands on this vaccine. And that's why there's so little supply in the market, because the big wealthy governments bought up all the stock even before the trials had been done. Um, And South Africa said, hold on, we want to see which of these products are successful before we commit to buying them, which, you know, in normal times is a very reasonable thing to do. But what it did, what it did do is it left South Africa at the back of the queue for trying to get the vaccines. So, you know, I know people are very critical. Why, why, haven't, why haven't we been, uh, you know, pr- uh, providing more vaccines? It was a very tough environment to actually negotiate at the time. Yeah. You know, Dr. Johnson, I'm, 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 I must say we don't have much time, but I'm thinking about what you've just said. And yesterday I was listening to an interview on, B- on the BBC. And what really irked me, actually, was that the uh, presenter was saying, Yes, Africa only has vaccinated one or two percent of the people on the continent. And I I felt like if I could have responded, I would have said, yes, we have only vaccinated one or two people on the continent. But that's because you guys have got all the vaccines. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, Michelle. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's been the most appalling thing to watch, you know, rich countries uh, ordering two or three times more than they need for their population. Yeah. Um, and that's why the, U, the United States is now in a position to very magnanimously say, well, we're going to donate, you know, 200 million doses, you know, um, or uh, whatever the number is. I can't remember how many they said, but um, 
because they ordered so much more than they would ever need for their population, they now are sitting on excess doses which they can now donate. But it's meant that poorer countries and, and countries in Africa have been left with no no vaccine available to, to use for their population. And actually what it's done as well is is there's an implication in the in the way it is said is that we haven't done our jobs. But actually yeah. It's as much as we want to do our job, we can't. And and that actually, I think, was what really, really like stuck in my craw <laughs> yesterday when I listened to the story, because it's like, oh, oh sorry, we, you know. And, and, and that's why, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, what we've seen is that India, who, who is, the, is, the, is the vaccine manufacturing powerhouse, uh, one would hope that they would, they would, they particularly have been in the past really good at making sure that that developed countries have access to to vaccines and other medical medical supplies. But of course, they were hit with their own massive epidemic, and so they prioritised their domestic market. But that's the importance of us being able potentially to manufacture our own vaccines, because yeah. then we're not dependent on mm. these wealthy countries and 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 their sort of goodwill to to give us supplies. Dr. Johnson, I need to quickly ask you two questions that have come through. Someone saying, what about wearing surgical gloves for everyone? Does that help? You know, you know what, 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 um, what we have now learned really is this is a respiratory disease and it's spread, you know, 90% through, through the air. Mm. And so masks are really the thing. I think that your, your risk of, of, of touching, of getting this virus through contaminated surfaces, we think now is, is a lot lower. So I would still, you know, recommend people sanitize um, but but I think you know your masks are much more important than than, than gloves okay and can you do it uh, briefly can you answer this question why the severity of the virus in some people but less in others is it yeah, possible you to know, answer briefly <laughs> yeah that's quite tough it, it is a complicated question what we do know is that if you are older if you are overweight if you have diabetes those are such massive risk factors for severe disease. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got any of those things, you really are in danger. Please, I would urge you shelter in place until this wave is over. That's it. It's 8 o'clock. It's time for the news. So good morning.